every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. I'm your host, Manuel Fate. And, Tim, this is a beautiful thing. We're doing this in the evenings again. Um, you know, I just, I love it because I actually feel fresh and awake and I don't feel like I just crawled out of bed because you know what? I haven't. This is amazing. How are you feeling with this, like, new time schedule that we're on, Tim? Yeah, I think, I think it's good. Uh, I'm a little bit, it was a long day to work. It's 8 p.m. right now in Vancouver. So we're recording in the evening. It's way better than 6 a.m. We even sometimes record it at 5.30 in the morning. So I think this is great. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm way, definitely way more energetic than when recorded in the morning. Let's see how our buddy into main feels. Yeah. You know what? We've kind of flipped it around a little bit, haven't we? Um, Andrew, you, um, you awake there, buddy? How are you doing? Uh yes, I'm I'm full of full of energy. Um I've I've had two cups of coffee already and my one eye is at least open, so I'm getting there. I'm glad you guys are relaxed. I I, I like I like hearing you boys um you know, with a bit more bit more energy about yourselves. Um so anything I can do to help, because you know, I care about you guys. <laughs> well I, I I'm glad you Thank do. you. Yeah, I I really I, I, you know, this is this is this has been such a nice turn of events um for you know for, for years. Because we've been doing this podcast now for almost three years, guys. It's unbelievable, but it's true. It's been mm-hmm. us getting up, you know, at the crack of dawn. Um, you know, not even five o'clock yet. And I'm exaggerating, of course. It was shortly after five. And, uh, putting toothpicks between our eyes just to keep them open and, um, doing this podcast. And this is just such a different feel. So yeah, really excited. And you know, the energy, you can just feel it pumping. It's just so much. Yeah, there's so much more, more of it in the room. Yeah, exactly. So, um, guys, speaking of tons of energy, uh, this is, this is my favorite character of Russian football. I tell you that, Tim. Leonid Slutsky. Did you see what he said in Dutch television? I mean, this is, yeah. this is a beautiful thing. I, I'm going to quote this because this needs to be quoted. This is, <laughs> this is just <laughs> so gorgeous. He said, uh, speaking about his career and how it ended, um, he said, I wasn't a big talent. It was a fantastic story. I had to retire from football due to a knee injury sustained after falling out of a tree while rescuing my neighbor's cat. I couldn't say no when she knocked on my door and asked me. She was a very nice girl. Tim, you know, like, you see Leonid. He's just such a, he's either like this, these interviews where he criticizes the referee that get turned into rap or, you know, this. This is such a beautiful thing, isn't it? Yeah, that's a story which, you know, which was especially popular when he was the national coach of the national team. When he started his career and he was a coach in Karelia Soviet of Samara and FC Moscow, um, he had this little bit of, you know, a barrier because he never played professional football and he had to work with people, with players who worked at the highest level. And, as of right now, he got the experience, but in the beginning of career, that was something that stopped him because he never played football professionally. He was born in Volgograd and he started as a goalie and he was playing not bad, but he was obviously like, you know, not a top talent. But yeah, then uh, he pretty much, yeah, the, the story is absolutely true. He went to save a, a, a neighbor's cat and uh who was like so high up on the tree and then he just fell off the tree and really really badly destroyed his knee that uh, that there was no way back for him to come back to actual to continue his career so he had to uh become a coach and very very early age and uh, yeah he started very early so he is still fairly young by the coaches um um coaches um year so the story is great but overall uh, Leonid Slutsky is becoming like one of the most entertaining and entertaining in the right way um, character in 
in Russian football because he started his Instagram recently and he really, really posts like very funny things. Uh, he has two bro- two Berezutsky brothers working with him right now at Vitesse in the Dutch league in uh, Eredivisie. And um, they are also have they're known for their crazy sense of humor. So those three, with uh, Lenin Slutsky being the head coach and uh, both Brzezuski brothers being assistants, they provide some really crazy content. So you can follow Leonid on his um, uh, Instagram. There's really fun stuff. And the the funny thing, which is you know not every person, uh, not very successful person gets he has a lot of self-humor he makes fun of himself there was this legendary picture when he um was uh, captured in mcdonald's eating a burger and you know people making fun of him but he made fun of himself so many times using different picture and using that as a joke he did a meme of himself you know eating the burger in a different place and um like he's just a p- uh, pure entertainment but also, he backs up with good results. Vitesse are doing very, very well in, in the Eredivisie. Uh, he, he has, you know, he players, you know, when I, you look at the coach, it's always your results and that the players get better with you. Uh, look at Martin Ordegard, who is right now just bossing around La Liga. He really, uh, Slutsky helped him last season. He was one of the best players in Vitesse. Obviously, you know, Odegaard did, did it himself and he worked, but with the help of Lenin Slutsky, and now he's on a completely different level, uh, playing amazingly for Real Sociedad, who are like in the top of La Liga. And he is the guy who makes the team play. So just shows that Lenin Slutsky not can only entertain, but also provide the results as a, his professional job as a coach. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Vitesse. Um, with a game in hand over AZ, Alkmaar, uh, third in the Eredivisie, which is, you know, respectable, right behind Ajax and PSV, those two clubs we always expect to be up top there. But, you know, there's actually a little bit of a parallel to another um, very famous head coach there, Andrew. Um, Julian Nagelsmann, who's everyone is talking about him, never had a mm. big professional career because when he played at 1860s Youth Academy, he blew his knee, right? And couldn't play. Um, so sometimes I'm not saying go out there and blow your knee if you're a young, aspiring football player <laughs> and you think you can't make a career in the game. I mean, this is not the way to go. Trust me. And having had that injury is not something you want to go through. But, um, you know, sometimes that different path can lead to a lot of success. Um, and Leonid Slutsky is someone who, who has made the most in, in many ways about, uh, with adversity, you know, dealing with adversity, the fact that, you know, when he was went to the United Kingdom, um, it didn't go very well for him. And now he made a step back and maybe he's making two steps forward, right? Yeah, I, I'm really glad you brought up that example of, of Nagsman as well, because it's, I, it's a really interesting perspective when you're in that situation and that's it potentially one door closed. It forces people to be students of the game more, perhaps. I'm not saying naturally Slutsky wouldn't have studied and eventually become a coach, but it will affect your perspective in a way that it perhaps brings out the best in a coach. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I'm really pleased to see Slutsky succeeding at the test because, you know, I obviously I'm, I follow English football. I'm a fan of Manchester United, as you boys know. Um, and seeing Slutsky in, in England at Hull City, it was such a shame because he, like, like Tim mentions, he's not just good entertainment, but he's a genuinely polite man. He's very humble. And the way he went over to England for months before he started and learnt English pretty much from scratch and did well. He did, you know, he did interviews in English. He prepared well, but Hull was a, just a basket place of a club. And unfortunately, it was just the worst possible situation for him to try and break into English football. But at Vitesse, I think he's, he's, he's done such a good job to, resurrect not just only his career but like tim mentions um odegaard was i'm, I'm not going to say quite the forgotten man having made that move at 15 was it to real madrid originally um so yeah i i think he's he's paving the way potentially for you know possibly more russian players and russian coaches to start looking abroad um so yeah it's, it's really really good to see him uh, I mean, his Instagram account just is <laughs> fabulous value. That video of him and his dog and the Beretsutsky brothers. Yeah. I, I'm not quite sure what was going on there, where the dog was making people bow down or something, but he just... Not he, hypnotizing. It's just, you know, that, that's Slutsky to a T for me. You know, he, don't, he, don't, he laughs at himself, but like you say, he backs it up with results. So, 
good for him. Beautiful thing. You know who else is going to resurrect their careers very soon? Huh? Yes. I feel like this is the second or third last time we're going to talk about this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's ambitious, though. <laughs> yeah. It very much is. I, I admit it's, it's probably very, very ambitious. But Kokoran and Mamaev have been finally released from jail. Andrew, they're out. Yeah. You know, yeah. we can no longer call them the jailbirds. Or is this something that's just going to stick with them? <laughs> I, you know, I think, um, it's almost a bit of a shame. It almost feels like we're coming to the end of an era on the podcast that we've no longer got the, the prison storyline. I still suspect that it won't, I'm not going to say quite the end of it, but it's, it's affected their careers fairly obviously. But I think the most interesting part of it is, is how their respective clubs have reacted to it. Um, Kukorin has been pretty much welcomed back with open arms. He can't play until January because of the registration window, as I understand. Um, but it's pretty much guaranteed he will be straight back in the squad in January. Whereas Mamayev has been released instantly, just as Galitsky said he was looking to do. As soon as it, the judgment came about, I remember, I remember being, I remember noticing very clearly the stark difference between the two clubs. And at the time, I was very much in Krasadar's camp with um, Galitsky saying, look, we, we don't want anything to do with Mamayev. And I thought, you know, entitled footballers acting like that, they deserve to be punished. I'm now not so sure where I stand because, to be fair to, to both of them, they have served their punishment. Um, I mean, I'm not trying to lessen what they did, but there are far worse crimes and people do tend to get away with them. And I, I think the fact that they've served their time, uh, if they train well enough to get back to fitness, and, they, you know, we talked about it last week, it's the whole point of the penal system is is not to just end somebody's life altogether, but to hopefully reform them. And, and you know, they, the only thing I'd like to see is a little a little bit more genuine humility. The whole show around them has been about how much fun they've been having, basically, in prison, playing football and laughing. There's not been a great deal of contrition about it, for, for, for my opinion. But they're, they're back, uh, and I don't think it'll be long before we see Pavel Mamayev um, chased by plenty of clubs trying to sign him up, and we'll have two careers back. The thing I don't see happening is either them playing for Russia again, um, I, that's just my own opinion. I know Chichester said if they prove themselves, then the door is technically open. But I don't think they will be back. But we'll see. Um, so uh, it's, it's it's almost with a sense of sadness that we can no longer talk about don't, them in don't prison. Don't worry box. about it, Andrew. I'm sure it is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not concerned. Um, I'm sure there will be another twist in the road, another turn, another fork. Um, Tim... Mamayev, I mean, we know Kokoran is going back to Sinead. What's your thoughts on Mamayev? Where is he going to end up? You know, I always have a strong, my strong suspicion is always Ahmad Krasny. They like to take in people like him. Um, but what's your thoughts? No, you're absolutely right. And, um, uh, they, the, there was a messages from Ahmad Grozny that they said after they will serve their sentence, they will welcome both players. And obviously, like, you know, Kokorin is going back to Zenit. Just wanted to add that he, uh, his salary significantly went down. He signed a fairly short term contract because his contract expired. Uh, so obviously, like, you know, they've given him a chance to come back. And I think this is a wise decision. And obviously, if he, if he does well and if he comes back, they'll probably review it and give him a little bit more money. But, uh, for Mamaev, yes, Ahmad Grozny is one of the options. And the second option, there was some, um, kind of some, um, talks that the second option is Dinamo Moscow. Uh, I know that, um, uh, his wife, um, Alana Mamaeva, who has been in some really interesting, um, headlines and she's currently uh, trying to start her career as a uh, YouTube star. She has a new show where she talks about uh, the people who's getting plastic surgeries. So that's, um, you know, that's an interesting topic to be uh, proved. And uh, there were a few and she even said herself she never liked being in Krasnodar because she's away from from Moscow. So I think, um, you know, she kind of... Uh, 
put herself as the victim of this whole situation that she was alone by herself without uh, her husband and she had to take care of her kids um which is you know that's kind of your <laughs> role as a, as a as a supportive wife but um uh, i'm pretty sure that she if you know her say will be to come back to moscow because she has this new projects going on and this new career so you know moscow sounds to me also like a, a potential good option because no other moscow club besides torpedo moscow which i don't think mamayev will go at this point uh will really take him spartak lokomotiv csk not really not really an option so i think um this could be a, a, another option especially we will talk a little bit down the road about what's happening at dynamo moscow currently and um yeah they might be looking for you know for the new the, the potential changes they might be looking at attracting new players um but yeah it's very interesting I, i'm really curious honestly i'm kind of like andrew i'm a little bit torn about this whole situation uh, in terms of like okay what like what kind of other what how, how could i how should i see this situation but at the same time purely from just interesting as a fan, football fan i'm curious to see if it is possible to combat from such a big uh gap in your career and especially you know spending time in jail it's psychological as well i'm yeah. uh, really curious to see how this all works out so mm, yeah Let's, let's 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 follow the story and yeah i don't think this is the end of mama if i'm recording hashtag on, on on football grad no 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 i i no i mean look the, look at all the possibilities that have already sprung up from this the things that you've mentioned i mean his wife wants to open what a beauty salon in moscow you know she maybe she has to hire dinamo moscow's head coach hochlov because he could be out of a job soon um, yeah, staying with Dinamo Moscow right there. Um, <laughs> Wait, man, man, hang on a second. Are you suggesting she hires for a beauty salon a cockloff who has absolutely zero hair and very little beauty as well? Hey, <laughs> it could be an experiment. <laughs> uh, you know, I just thought it was a good transition. Um, <laughs> it was beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> but this is this is an interesting topic because, like, um, I mean, Dinamo Moscow have spent a lot of money um for for russian club in, in the off season um andrew and it's not been going very well you know i mean that's an understatement um without too yeah. much of a precursor but they lost again this this weekend um and against a team that they should have probably beaten in in sochi this is this is not going very well for him you know they're putting all this money into the club um they uh making all these ambitious statements about the stadium, etc., And then you look at the table and I see them in 11th place, which, you know, doesn't look that bad at a first glance, but you remember Russia is only 16 teams and it's only a point to the relegation spots at the moment. Um, and this is the relegation playoffs, not the direct relegation. So th- th- this is actually something that could happen. Well, yeah, I mean, the, it, the, the thing about Dynamo that strikes me the most about their, their form is just the, to sheer lack of goals. I mean, Maximilian Philippe, when he came in, and I'm not criticising him at all, I think he will be the main force behind them, hopefully regaining their form. But, you know, when you brought in all that talent, Sylvester Igboon scoring twice um, at the weekend, despite him losing, you know, that's a, he's a really good goal threat. Um, at, even at Ufa, he managed nine goals last season in a relatively limited side, shall we say. But they've only got eight goals in 10 games, and that's just... You know, it's, there's not much you can really defend about that. On the other hand, what I would say is, Dinamo really should be pushing for top five, but they are only four points off six, um, behind the mighty Ural Yekaterinburg, of course. Um, and, you know, all it will take is a couple of wins, get their form back. But then again, it's such a tight table. You've got six points separating, um, sixth and bottom of the table. It's, it's nothing. Um, so, yeah, I, I think soon we'll we'll see. I think soon we'll see a change. But uh, exactly what is going on behind the scenes is well, virtually anybody's guess. I'd say at the moment, but um, it, it doesn't always sound desperately reassuring for him. Let's just say that much. Yeah, Tim, is there anything you want to add to the Hochlov situation? Yeah, I just wanted to go over like the, the the last game, especially because they lost to Sochi. Mm. Not the result, obviously, they were expecting, and there were some different reports you know, that Kahlov uh, came to the um, to the management, and he didn't really resign, but he pretty much admitted. First of all, at the press conference, he said that he gave a very vague um, hint that uh, this was his last uh, game as a coach of Dynamo Moscow. 
that apparently, again, like this is, I wasn't there, but apparently the reports say that he came to the management and he said, okay, so it looks like it's not working out with me. What are the options? He didn't really resign because if he resigns, he loses out on the payout, but he recently signed a brand new contract. So he will be fired. He will get a significant payout. So he's not going to resign by himself. Mm. Uh, and for Dynamo, it's also will be a little bit uh, tricky to find. No, not tricky. It will cost them money to, to fire him. But Dynamo is of right now. They don't have an actual option. Uh, again, the VTB is club, sorry, the bank, bank which owns Dynamo has a lot of people who are around that that bank. And um, as we always know, and there's no situation different, there's no one person who makes decisions. Uh, there's so many different people who make those decisions. And also, the people who now make the decisions, they're not football managers. They're very good bank managers. They know how to run a very successful bank, but um, they don't really know football as well as they know banking. So they can be influenced. Uh, some people can use that in their advantage, then not knowing no. So uh, there's no one candidate which could be approached right now if they fire Hachlov. So after this uh, whole rumors came out that Hachlov had this conversation with the management, Dindama posted a message saying that they fully back up uh, the coach Dmitry Hachlov. He stays in the job, that all those rumors obviously not true, and they pretty much gave him time till 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 the winter. So um, it is interesting situation because we talked about it and we talked about um, Kurban Birdiv patiently waiting for his mm. new job, uh, potentially at Dynamo. There were some other rumors about the potential job, but the situation is right now that Dynamo management doesn't really have a consensus, doesn't have an ag- agreement what to do with this situation. It is clear that it is really not working based on the results like we discussed, but there's no obvious candidate which everyone agrees. And if Khachlov will be fired, the person who can come in. So I think that's the situation right now. We will see the results um, as of right now because they have obviously the cup game, which is happening uh, this uh, this midweek in Russia. They actually fly into beautiful Vladivostok uh, for nine hours oh, to wonderful. be there. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 one of our favorites uh, along with uh, Khabarovsk, right? Yeah, and um, and then they have a game against Rostov, which is not gonna be easy. So we don't know what's what could happen, but you know we we need to pay attention to the situation, and you know this this can develop soon uh, because yeah, they have Rostov, Aredburg, and then they have Krasnodar, CSKA. So it's not very easy schedule uh, for Dynamo Moscow and uh, maybe before that uh, next uh, national team break, which will happen in November, maybe they will have a new coach. But we will see how the situation develops. Uh, Andrew, you holding desperately, holding up a, a little poster here in our conversation and saying you have a potential candidate. Uh, come on, just shout it out. Who is it? Imagine if you could shop the shelves of all your local liquor stores at the same time. Well, spoiler alert, you can with Drizzly, the number one alcohol delivery app. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code SAVE5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Well, you know, one of the finest tactical minds in the Oral Pavolja just lost his job, Gordon Alexic, left uh-huh. uh, FC Japan um, a week or two ago. Um, so I think he'd be the perfect candidate to take over. Um, but no, no, in all seriousness, though, um, I, I've i seen... Well, I mean, Tim, you've been keeping close tabs on this. And I think it, I think one of the one of the things that is starting to become a bit of a circus is the whole Berdeyev being without a job, Carrera being in Moscow recently... Um, and Chichesov with the national team situation. I, I'm really confused why Chichesov is even entertaining any possibility of him leaving the national team because he's done such a good job there. Um, Maybe do both. He's got to go somewhere, you know, so. But Andrew, uh, he could do, he could do both. We have a history in Russia that 
club teams and co uh, club and uh, national team coaches do both? Well, I mean, I would be disappointed if he did end up doing that, if I'm being brutally mm -hmm. honest, because the circus around Dynamo is just is too much to, uh, in my opinion, is too distracting. I think for Chichesov, he does a pretty good job of getting to a lot of games and he, he watches his players pretty well. Um, and I would rather see him just focus entirely on what he's been doing pretty well for the last three years. I know what you mean, though. Mm. It's, it may end up being that. And to line his pockets, it would be a lucrative option. But I would prefer to see, I prefer to see Goran Alexic there because then I can come to Moscow and see my old buddy and, uh, I'll be the one who knows him. Mm. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, one of uh, few people. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe he should send his uh, CV to VTB. We'll see what happens, what the bankers decide. And they'll hire him as a financial planner. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I, which, I have a lot of experience in that. Which, which in their it. mind I, is, the, is the same thing as a coach, I'm sure. Well, if, if you think about it, um, yeah, V2B are experts at throwing money uh, down the pan. I've seen a lot of money leave in the past, and I don't have much coming in, so I'll be pretty good for them, I think. You know, the V2B <laughs> used to be a foreign investment bank in Russia, so they are experts at seeing money leave. There you go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Speaking of leaving, um, or someone was already gone. Golovin, he's been doing really well in Monaco. This is a really quick one, Tim. I'm going to throw it out one to you before we move on to our European results. Um, yeah, fantastic, fantastic day for him. Hey, absolutely great game for him. Uh, it was a derby game against Nice, Monaco and Nice to one of the most luxurious places in Europe. Oh, and, um, uh, they actually treated as a derby. Galavin played well. He scored two goals, uh, created uh, one more assist, and it was a great assist. He really got the, intercepted the ball and really placed it nicely uh, for the goal. 3-1 victory for Monaco. Uh, Galavin is uh, on the page of, I believe it's Lukip, or one of the page, uh, pages, and it says Spasiba in in English, uh, saying Spasiba Galavin because he pretty much won single-handedly the derby game. And Monaco is not doing well. They were there in the relegation zone, so for now he saved the Jardim's job for a little bit. So good job, Golovin. Yeah, excellent job, Golovin, and like to see him do well. I'm very jealous of where he lives. Um, haven't been recently to Nice and Monaco. By the way, it's only a 20 minute train ride apart. Absolutely gorgeous area of the world. So, um, full of Russians, by the way, Tim. Huge surprise. So I think you will feel <laughs> right at home there. Um, boys, we have some quick notes here to take care of. I feel like I've announced this uh, before on this podcast because this was leaked by Kicker about three or four weeks ago. The Europa League 2 has a new name called Europa Conference League. This is officially now confirmed. I thought we had talked about this. Maybe we haven't, so I just threw it in here again. So this will be a great, great tournament for all these uh, second division sides, uh, of lower division sides, you know, because now we have 32 for Champions League, 32 for Europa League. And then, of course, another 32 other teams that did not manage to, to make it into that, um, into that top two, um, brackets of the tournament. So an additional tournament, not quite the cup winners cup, right? Um, I know one of your friends wrote an excellent book on this, Andrew, that I'm dying to read on the UEFA cup winners cup. Mm. So really looking yeah. forward to that. We, I think we mentioned it on, I think it was two weeks ago that we chatted about the new name and, yeah, that name has now been confirmed. Yeah. Um, but also, <laughs> this put a smile on my face. You know, Germany cannot be relegated. It's just impossible, Andrew. You know, you know, that's why that's the power of our country. We get relegated. No, 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 no. We changed the format of the whole tournament. <laughs> the UEFA no, Nations I, I, I League. The UEFA Nations League. The national team uh, equivalent of the Milk Cup is being expanded to 16 teams. You know, to be quite frank, guys, do we need this tournament? Is this really necessary? I mean, I, I, I watched about the first 45 minutes of the final in Portugal um, and then I fell asleep. I just, I don't know. I don't know, guys. I know it's great for some of the smaller countries, but... Uh, you know, Germany will well, not play a friendly until 2022 now. Well, yeah, I'll I tell you what, I'll, I'll jump in because I, I, I kind of feel like I've been fighting the Nations League corner, mm. um, on the, on the football <laughs> grad podcast. I genuinely am, I genuinely am a fan, but for the one very simple reason that 
if we didn't have, I'm not saying the Nations League as a tournament is really worth much. I know what you mean, Manu, in the final itself, it sort of, the final itself didn't really matter except to, to boost Cristiano Ronaldo's ego. Mm-hmm. But what I would say is if you take it away, it's only going to be replaced with meaningless friendlies and meaningless friendlies are even worse. So just from a fan's perspective, I think it's worth having. Not for the actual winning the tournament, but for the qualification process for playing similar level teams, which I think is worth something as well. Um, and it's, it just gives a little bit more direction to the international breaks. And I, I do like the well, democratic approach, if you like, to offering an opportunity, not a, not too much of an opportunity, but just enough to give an incentive to the smaller sides as well. So. I, I, I think people look at it the slightly the wrong way. It's not the tournament itself, but it's what it's replacing and what it is preceding, if you like, the qualification. Mm. You know, I don't want to call it a backdoor, but an opportunity to encourage because there's nothing worse than those international breaks where the friendlies are just utterly meaningless, 12 substitutions during the games, and it's just a, a waste of time. And this, it just gives a little bit more direction. I like the new structure as well. So there will be groups of four as opposed to groups of three. Yeah. So fewer friendlies. And it, it is, again, I don't, I don't like giving credit to UEFA, but what they have done is they've talked to all the nations. What do you want out of the international breaks? And they said fewer friendlies. So they've, they've, they've just slightly changed the format. So the top three tiers will all have groups of four. Therefore, more fixtures that are slightly more competitive. And I think it's, I think it's going to be a very successful tournament in the long run. Here's my counter argument. I would have scrapped those games altogether because I think players need time and they need breaks and there is a lack of it. So I think what's wrong with the previous qualification structure? Um, no, no, that, that, that doesn't change though. This is no, no, I, I know, but this adds extra games, right? And I, there was a really good interview yeah. with Jurgen Klopp in, in kicker. I think four or five weeks ago and where he said like, look, our top players are playing too many games and there's too much football on television. And, you know, there is hardly ever a break for people to switch off and doing something else. And it, it waters down the overall product. That's, that's my big worry with this. Um, because from, I, I'm sorry if I call it that, but for me, this is the equivalent of the, this is the UEFA equivalent of the milk cup or the Wanamama or Karabo or whatever it's called these days, right? It's just. <sighs> You know. But money, the thing is, it's not adding fixtures; it's replacing the meaningless friendlies. Yeah, I don't I mind. Just I just scrapped those about... all together. I would have gotten rid of the friendlies too. I would have just, you know, scrapped those. Yeah, friendlies. I, I do, I do see a point about the over overexposure and the well, burning out of, yeah. of footballers. I, I, I do take your point. I think possibly there are there are one one too many, or maybe even two too many international breaks in general. I do take that point actually. To be fair. Um, I think in general, though, there is there is going to you have to have some international breaks because you can't just just play only competitive games. You do need some some way to have a bit of less pressure to bring through players. But perhaps you're right. There's a bit too much. Um, and I, I, overall, though, we know realistically it's not a lot is going to change. They're not going to complete scrap international breaks. So if we're going to have the breaks, I think this is better than friendlies. But I agree with you that there's probably too many fixtures. So perhaps a compromise would have been to keep the groups slightly smaller and just take out at least one international break just to give a, a slightly less, um, slightly less competitive games for them. Yeah. I think the top players need more breaks. That's, that's just my yeah. opinion. I, I mean, this is not me advocating to keep the friendlies. I think it, they should just get rid of those games, period, and just make so make that every international, every league in the world can have a proper winter break. You know, just give yeah. the players time, give people a time off to do something else because like you need a time, you need a break from football. I know we all love it. We all, you know, we make money in it and this is our jobs, but you know, it's also kind of nice to just take two weeks without it. I agree with you, Mano, but at the same time, look what, what, what will the big, like you say, I completely agree with top players need a break, but, um, Look what the, what they will do. They will send those teams during this break to Qatar, yeah. to United States of America, and the poor top players will play extra three four games in the conditions which are not very really pleasurable. So, 
Yeah, um, the, because that was exactly the case with recently with um, when I don't remember which league had the, uh, introduced a winter break. I think was it Spain, yeah. and then the poor players went to play some extra obligated contractual games. Good point. It's a it's a very good point. I think, and that's an issue as well, right? Um, which of course is way off podcast, with the exception of course that Sparta are in Florida on their very very long yeah! winter break. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, you know this is this is of course we're not going to fix that on this podcast, and it's it's a little bit off topic. It's just something that has come to mind, and there's something that I really 100% agree with Jurgen Klopp um, is the fact that there is maybe too much, um, and there needs to be a bit more breaks. So um, my thoughts on this, but. Hey guys, um, there's been some interesting results in Europe for mostly for Bayer Leverkusen <laughs> against Bayer okay. Le- for, for, for Bayer Leverkusen against Locomotive Moscow. Um, I don't think anyone saw this coming except for maybe view on the gig pressing podcast because we just know how spursy <laughs> Bayer Leverkusen can Leverkusen. be. Leverkusen. <laughs> comparison. Well, actually, I wanted your opinion because obviously, like, Matif played a great game because obviously, like, they, they, they really, like, like in Russian, we say uh, they jumped above their head. But yeah, but what about the performance on Leverkusen? They, like, you said on, on Gegen Pressing, like, that's the fourth team in Germany and fourth team in Germany should be better than second team in Russia. Yeah. I think that sums it up. Um, this is, I, I, I think that they are better than locomotive on, on paper. Football is not played on paper. We saw that on, we saw that last week in the Champions League that that's not the case. But, you know, guys, this Leverkusen side frustrates me so much. I mean, I think it was two weeks ago because we had Ian Joy on this week, right? And game pressing. So that then the week before that, I think I really ripped into them and, um, sort of, I think maybe <laughs> foreshadowed this whole result because they just got <laughs> smashed to pieces by Borussia Dortmund, right? And the gap really between those two teams shouldn't be as big as the result was on that day. And I was saying like, this is a team that can beat Bayern on a good day, right? Can beat any team in Europe on a good day, but it can also get completely smashed by any good team in, in Europe. And can also get smashed by a bad team in Europe. Um, because they just, I mean, this is a team that cannot defend to save their lives. And <laughs> I think that if you're playing against a team that has an experienced head coach like Lokomotiv do, they just gonna figure that out. And they did. And that's what happened. That's really yeah. the bottom line. They, you know, Peter Bosch's system is shockingly bad. Um, in defense, it's so much fun to watch when all the pieces click. You know, when you see Kai Harvards playing his best, that player is a magnificent player, but any routine head coach in Europe will have a field day with him. And that's exactly what Simeon did. He had a field day you, with him. You're absolutely right because, and that confirms what the Barinov said after the game. He said, we watched, we had a tactician class like well, that's how we call it in Russian for hour and a half it's it's a little bit too much but he said he just he really just like showed us so many things what we need to be doing and he said we exactly did what what he told us to do here's the result so you're absolutely right because yeah you're just saying overdid it tactically in terms of preparation and he said like yeah the players were sick of watching Bayer Leverkusen play football but uh, the result is three points in in a group of champions yeah, you know, um, I shared it with, uh, his poor players. <laughs> I, I, I've been a little sick of watching Bayer because it's frustrating because, um, I was at a game in, in Mainz, um, in, oh God, this was in February, I believe, where they, they were absolutely destroyed Mainz 5-1 and you saw the potential that this team has. And, but at the same time, you see them, you see them come up with results that are just so shockingly bad. And, you know, you don't know what you get. It's like, it's like one of those, you, you just, those chocolate surprise eggs that you get in Germany, you know, the Kinderüberraschung. That's what Bayer Leverkusen is. You open it up, you can get a really bad gift or you can get a great gift. And, you know, it's, it, you get three eggs and you get three different things and you never know what you're going to get. And that's Bayer Leverkusen basically in a nutshell. So, yeah. 
Um, that's it's my most important result because the other yeah. teams in the group are Juventus and Atletico. Yeah. And obviously, Bayern Leverkusen ideally would like to go to the second spot, but at least they need to get the third spot. And that was a crucial, crucial game for them when we're looking at this right now. Oh, it's over for them. You know, they, they're not going to finish second. <laughs> Although that said, knowing, knowing Bayern, they're going to beat both those teams, Juventus and Atletico, at least once, <laughs> right? <laughs> And lose the loco twice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that would, man, I'd tell you what, that would, that would be by Neverkusen all over that. I just, I, I, I cannot wait to see what happens next. Look, put it this way, man. It's, it's not going to be dull with Leverkusen around it. No, never is. <laughs> um, we spend a lot of time talking on gig pressing about them because they do entertain. Um, the, <laughs> we have to move on. We have a couple other games to still discuss. Discuss. Um, Lyon against Zenit. That's a 1-1. Um, is that a good result, guys? Or what do you make of that, Andrew? Because, you know, they're in a group with, um, RB Leipzig and RB Leipzig didn't win on the road in, uh, Portugal against Benfica. And, you know, we kind of agreed ahead of the, of the Champions League that uh, this RB Leipzig will probably be the team to advance and, um, the other three teams will sort of look to get the second spot. That's pretty much been a little bit confirmed, hasn't it? Well, yeah, I, I, would, I would go along with that. I think it's a very good result um, for Zanit anyway, because on the road in Europe, they've, well, I mean, they've had very up and down results, but they never tend to run rampant. So I, I think they showed that they can compete. Leon are a very, very strong attacking side. They've got a lot of pace, and I was worried, I'll be honest, about this game, because if Zanit have any pretensions at all of challenging to go through, or even, I, I don't want to be too defeated, but getting third spot, then they need to get at least a point away from home somewhere. Benfica is the other weakest side by some distance, I would say. And they've lost Yao Felix over over the summer, and they are a good side of producing. Don't be, talent, don't be so quick, my friend. I think Benfica will give some results in this group. Yeah, but no, Benfica no, I mean, has I, been I, atrocious I, I, in the Champions League, guys. No, no. What, what I what I mean by Benfica, I'm talking relative to Champions League. They are they are a good side, of course, but I generally don't think they are they come close to Leon or Leipzig. Um, so getting a result away to Leon is basically a statement of Zanit saying, "Look, we we, we may not blow you away, but you're you're going to have to work to beat us at home at the at the Kristovski, I think they should be looking to get um, at least a win against Benfica. Leon. Leon is the game they're going to have to target now because if they win that, then you know there's potential there. Leipzig, I I would imagine, if they hold on to Timo Werner, then they could be a they should be a pretty dangerous side uh, against Leon. So it, it opens up possibilities for Zanit. It's it's not done a, a huge amount, but it is just giving them a bit of I don't know a bit of, a bit of credence to their reputation. I think for this group. Yeah, we we saying RB Leipzig is a title contender in in Germany at the moment. So we'll be interesting to see the next rounds. Um real quick one on Schachter. They got smashed by Man City um in what is a regular affair these days. Third time in a third year in a row that those two teams meet. I wanna speak about the Europa League results Tim. Whew. That was some beating Oof. the Russian teams took. I mean, it could be worse. You could be a German team beaten, being beaten by an Austrian club, um, because that also happened. But there's been some really odd lopsided results in, in the Europa League in general. And I didn't see either one of these results happening. Um, Ludogorets, the Bulgarian team, 5-1 against CSKA Moscow. And then Basel, 5-0 against Krasnodar. Oh, what happened there to him? Yeah, that's absolutely shocking results. I don't know even how to explain this because this is, um, yeah, this is absolutely shocking. Those teams, you know, especially Lagor at Seska. Seska played some weekend side and they played a 17 year old guy in the middle of defense who, uh, considered a couple of, uh, um, mistakes, but at the same time, it's not five. Uh, goal difference. Yeah, it's absolutely atrocious result. I don't even know how to explain because both teams are fairly good and they playing fairly well in the in the Russian league. So I don't know. I don't know. It's it's. I don't really have explanation, and I think you're the only one who really saw that coming. <laughs> I don't think anyone saw that coming. Um, yeah. Andrew, Andrew, you want to add something to these uh, Europa League performances, if you can even um, call them performances? 
oh god i mean there's i don't even know how to begin explaining it it was um there were just uh away to to basel were a complete and utter mess in defense and it was really really odd to see but we are we are starting to see a bit of a pattern emerge now i think that Krasnodar away in Europe are just very, at best, they are nervous and, you know, and at worst are just a complete mess. I think they, they're they really going to have to fight to get through. They should still go through, I think, but they've really put pressure on themselves already. Um, although I would just like to add that um, I read somewhere, some preview on some website that covers post-Soviet football that picked out um, Keshu as the, the man to watch for... Uh, Ludogorets scored a hat trick, so they must have some very good journalists on that website. Yeah, I wonder who that could be. Um, we'll never yeah, find, we'll never find out know. unless you've bookmarked it. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, boys. Well, we were very deep into this podcast, and I want to touch on the the Russian Premier League results and um, the really tight standing still. So let's go real quick over the results. We spoke about one of the results already. Let's do the the rest. Um, Ufa. 1-0 against Spartak. Tim, this is why oh. I did, this is why I did it so late. You know, I wanted to save it for the end. Ahmad 1-1 against Krilya Sovetov. Zenit 5-0 against Ruben. Tampov 2-1 against Rostov. Orenburg 2-3 against Lokomotiv. Dinamo 2-3 against Sochi. Tula 1, Ural 1. And CSKA beating Krasnodar in the Europa League derby 3-2. And they scored Five goals together. Yeah. <laughs> as many as they each conceded. Uh, that's, that's beautiful stuff. Um, the table, it's super tight. Very, very tight at the top. Although, Tim, I don't see your side in there anymore. What, ha what happened there? Oof, I was hoping you will continue this conversation about the tightness of the table. And maybe I can <laughs> escape this conversation, but no, thanks. Yeah. So my club lost away too far. Uh, there was a period a few weeks ago when Spartak won the derby and I was a little bit more uplifted about uh, the season and a little bit more exciting. But um, uh, three losses in a row, uh, things are not going very well. And um, Spartak is now located on the ninth place. Andrew is right, uh, the table is uh, pretty uh, tight. And when he was talking about uh, Dynamo being not too far away from, mm. uh, from catching Mighty Oral. But at the same time, Spartak is... I mean, 17, oh, sorry, seven points behind Zenit. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, oh no, what I'm, what I'm talking about. It's six, nine points behind Zenit. So yeah, that's already, yeah, yeah. Not great result. What's going on that, um, Spartak is absolutely horrendous. The last two games, um, were absolutely horrible. We lost to, we lost the football grad derby. Which was a personal, mm. uh, uh, like, you know, tragedy for me, not only because, the result, but also because I got a little bit of abuse, and even worse than abuse, I got a little bit of you know like the sympathy from um, our <laughs> friend and teammate. That's always which the was, worst. Exactly. Like <laughs> I would rather him, you know, make fun of me, but he got sympathy. He actually felt bad for me. So that that's how bad it was. We lost uh, at home to Braga. We lost to Zenit, then lost to Football Grad Derby against Oral, and now we went away to a five. We're absolutely atrocious and uh, lost one nothing to Ufa with their beautiful on goal by Raskazov. The, the things are not working out for Alek Kononov. Uh, the fans are demanding him to be sacked. Uh, the Fidun, Fidun, the owner of the team, says that he will work at least until the end of the uh, this calendar year. It's a mess. Team doesn't play. I am emo again. Yeah, that, that's very sad. And you know, I was so sad we couldn't do the podcast last week because I was traveling. Well, so, I was happy. yeah, I am sure you were. So we're just going to recap that game now, uh, Andrew. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Are you already at an hour mark? Should no, we no, we, we still got time. <laughs> I think we have enough time. Yeah, yeah, we, we got there time. Was some bomb game against Rostov. Great entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Tim, Tim, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll be kind of you for a second. Um, it was it was very satisfying, I admit, for Oral to win away. But um, just if it gives you any if it gives you any positivity at all, just look above you in the table. Ufa are not going to stay in mid table. We know that they grind out some good results, but they have virtually no attacking threat. They're going to drop points. Arsenal, Tula are well. 
they, they're a very inconsistent side, much weaker than last season. And Ural, just look at the goals conceded, Colin. 20 goals conceded in 10 games. Much as I love Ural, they are not going to stay at six. So Spartak will be right back up again very, very shortly. Um, but, uh, Tim, just one quick question before I go, actually. I, I want to ask you about this. You mentioned Kononov being under pressure. I, I'm just wondering, is there a point where you as a Spartak fan will get to where you almost take some positivity, some silver lining out of the cloud of bad results, that it kind of confirms that Kononov will eventually leave? If he starts getting up positive points um, and starts gaining a bit of positivity, are you worried he might stay? That's exactly the case because I actually don't really want to him to do well because when he came in last mm. November, he announced, "Give me four months and I'll uh, make Spartak play beautiful football." It's been uh, we will celebrate the anniversary in a couple of months, and Spartak is still playing very well, not very attractive football, and there's no results. Uh, so, like, uh, I don't see, I don't really understand. I understand his squad choices, but I don't really understand. I don't see anything attractive in the game over the past pretty much year. And that's not very... And, you know, there's there's no really, like, light in the end of the tunnel. It's just really, just like, it's just been really poor. I wouldn't say, like, it's not interesting to watch them. They don't play attacking game. Surely when he appeared, he was amazing and he was, like, really... He was very emotionally ready to play. It looks like now he had a physical, um, you know, uh, place where he's not really physically ready to play. He's not, he's not, doesn't really play well. So I'm a little bit mumbling, but, um, to answer your question, yeah, I'm a little bit worried. I don't really want them to do well because I don't really see the future of this project under Konlov. And I try to be supportive. Um, but yeah, it's very hard to see because really there's no improvement for a year and there's really, I can count only maybe a couple of decent, not even the full games. It, maybe it was like a half. It, I don't remember a full game when I said, yeah, that was, that was great. There were mo- moments, but not, not, not the full results. So I'm disappointed. I would actually argue it got worse. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I think it did because. At the same, yeah, like three losses in a row. Mm. That's four losses in a row uh, out of Europe, out of the cup last year. Didn't make it to the um, group of Europa League, so the results are there. So really, like, Carrera was fired because he was two points away from the Champions League spots, and he didn't make it to the group. At least we were in the qualification. Now we out of Braga, not even... In the Europa League, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I would actually say it gotten a lot worse because, hey, right, it was two points out of the Champions League, right? Um, yeah. and now it's six points out of the Europa League at the same stage of the, uh, stage, same stage of the season, almost same stage of the season than they last done. year. Uh, yeah. and I think the minimum would have been Europa League group stage. Um, didn't even get yeah. that. And, um, yeah, the, the announcements that he would come in and play beautiful football, I, I, pff, it's definitely fallen well, well short of that. Um, without a doubt. And if you, if you're Spartak with the amount of money you have spent as a club and you're ninth with 10 games in, that's not good enough. Um, and, and see, especially like all those new kids or players who came in. Yeah. Uh, Gustil is, everyone says he's a super talent. Henrik, oh, sorry, Henrik Larson, Jordan Larson is uh, also, they say, like, he, he has potential, but, like, we don't really see them progressing. Same mm. about the, the young players, like, you know, nobody really progressed. People just are regressing with him. And, yeah, so I think this is a bit of a too big of a job for him. Yeah, I, I would absolutely agree with you. Andrew, we have a couple of minutes to, to, to talk about Ural, who um, have as many points as Spartak in sixth place. Um, but you make a very good point about that goals for and against Um, that's two goals conceded every game on average that surely can't last no it's it's horrific I said at the start of the season when Stefan Strandberg's loan ended and his contract at Krasnodar ended and he became a free agent I was desperately hoping he would sign permanently Um, but since he's gone I would say not only have we lost Strandberg, but we've lost all sense of what a defence is. Dmitry Parfionov has got no clue how to organise that backline. We've got two good fullbacks. 
um, who get forward a lot, Kulikov and Merkulov. But in defence, he's decided to move a midfielder back, Roman Yemelianov, uh, alongside Denis... Well, Denis Polyakov has played the last two or three games. Then sometimes he's played um, Varazda Haroyan, who is just a yellow card waiting to happen. It's just a recipe for disaster in defence. And I cannot understand why they, the, the club are incapable of just deciding, look, let's just get two centre-backs. Let's start with that. Um, so it's not surprising. But Oral have attacking potential. We've scored a lot of goals. Um, we have two of the best wingers in the league, in my opinion, Otman El-Kabir and Nikolai Dimitrov. So... It's going to be, it's always entertaining. That's the one thing. You, you watch down the Russian league. Everybody knows the Europa League and Champions League sides, but Oral are worth watching. They're never, ever, ever a dull game. Um, so keep your eye. And we've got two big home games coming up in Tisca and Zanit. So, uh, it's certainly going to be more goals conceded there, but good luck. Can score. <laughs> I will do our best, Tim. Maybe that can bring at least half a smile to your face. We'll beat both of them. Thank you. And we appreciate it. Uh, Andrew, I'm going to actually stay with you on our quick update on what's happening with your beloved FC Tuman. Um, I hope these are the updated standings on Google. Google apparently now has the Russian third division. 11 games in, is that correct? Certainly is, yeah. 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 I'm, I'm looking at the standings. Um, Goals scored 23, that's very positive. Goals against 14 is actually not bad either, but um, only fifth. And a huge gap well, to the promotion, Kamas, Nabeshni, Chenilni. I, I remember them. 1860 played them once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, um, we, we've had two games now since our manager, Goran Alexic, resigned. And the, the first game uh, after we left, we drew in, uh, in Togliati, which is a pretty disappointing result. They're, Lada Togliati are on appalling side. They've only scored eight goals in 11 games and they, they're right down at the bottom. But last weekend in Novotroisk, we absolutely destroyed Nostra Novotroisk 4-1. Uh, and we're so far behind, mostly because of the six-point deduction that we've had. But we're unbeaten in five games. And the Ordal Pavolja, I, I, of course I blow the trumpet of Ordal Pavolja, but it is genuinely one of the highest-scoring divisions I've ever known. Um, yeah. I mean, just last weekend, there were three teams that scored four goals. Um Ufa, Volga, Ulyanovsk, 4-3. I mean, it's just a ridiculous scoring game. But two men have a really talented side, but they have a mentality problem. Now they've got a real challenge mentally to recover 12 points. There's only one team that gets promoted. Um, but it's... <sighs> even the most ambitious, biased person, and I probably am one of those, would say it's, it's a pretty tricky, tall order. But... There are still another 14 fixtures to go because we have the five games from the championship round once we get to the end of the regular round. So, sorry, 27 fixtures, so 16 more games. So it's possible. It's possible. Yeah, definitely some attractive sides in this, this group. Um, Togliatti, here's, here's my little fun fact of today, guys. That's the Italian engineer that basically stole the Fiat plants and brought them to Russia because he was a communist. And that's why the city of Toyati is named after him and all the Ladas based on him. And that's why the Ladas kind of look like old Fiats. So there you go. That's my fun fact of today. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and that's probably also a good place to, to round up this podcast. Guys, we covered a lot. Um, you know, from all the way from Leonid Slutsky in the Netherlands to my favorite competition, the UEFA Nations League, all the way down to the third division in Russian football. Um, Tim, is there anything you want to add? You know, anything you want to plug? The floor is yours. One thing we actually did need a slight mention that um, St. Petersburg got the Champions League final in 2020-21, something right. like that. Yeah, 2021. Um, 2022 Munich, 2021 in St. Petersburg. So, Ooh, oh, football got connection. Yeah, very good, eh? Um, yeah, so that's really much worth mentioning. Beautiful stadium to host the, the two beautiful venues to host the Champions League finals. Um, I mean, Andrew, both you and I have worked a lot uh, at the, the new, um, Gazprom Arena. Um, and it's a wonderful venue. So yeah, this will be a fun one to cover. Um, Andrew, anything you want to add? Anything you want to plug? Um, no, other than just more football grab previews coming up and, um, 
and I will I will finally get around, I promise, to writing the next update of Tubent season for for the website. But yeah, other than that, just um, keep keep looking at the website. Yeah, absolutely. Um, everything that we do, everything that we cover, is all on Twitter at, at Football Grad Live. You can find Andrew at uh, Andrew M I J Flint, right, Andrew? And then of course Tim, yep. it's Russian Tim sixty one. You got it. Thank and, you. And um, yeah, of course you can follow me at Manuel Vef. Well, that's it, boys. All done. We thought this would be a short podcast, but it's still an hour. Until next week, das wird dann hier. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.